Happy Tuesday. Super dope. Akira super dope to be specific today. So second episode this week. Um, hope you listened to Promise Neverland yesterday. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, thank you. If you didn't, check it out. Um, you know, just depending. You don't mind spoilers or whatever. Uh, very interesting series. Now, Akira we wanted to do early because it's a uh, seminal moment in anime history. And why not make that part of the relaunch plan, right? Uh, tomorrow, DBZ driving episode, maybe? I think. I can kind of move my neck today. A little bit easier than yesterday, so I, I want to get a couple things done. But DBZ episode for you guys tomorrow, so tune in for that shit. And uh, Thursday, I'll, I think I already said it. So Death Note, Netflix, Netflix, Death Note. You're gonna hear me make a lot of references to Patreon stuff in this episode that isn't probably ready yet. But Friday, Friday's the day. Um, Death Note at least, and then all the public stuff for MHA and uh, OG Dragon Ball that'll be available for you to listen to for free. Uh, Death Note, not free, but OG, MHA, that stuff. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoy Akira Super Dope and all of the ways in which I'm learning to jam to our new opening tune uh, given to us courtesy of the friend of the show, Mark Cooper. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Damn. Super dope. <laughs> Kira, you know that shit's important, but we're gonna talk to you about it today. I don't give a shit if you watched it or not. We're talking spoilers. So if you hate them, get the fuck away. <laughs> that was not awful. Nah, nah, nah. It worked, man. It wasn't good, though. It definitely wasn't good. Did you make this beat? No, dude. Oh, okay. All right, so this beat is courtesy of friend of the show. Mr. Mark fucking Cooper. Oh, okay. Nerdcore extraordinaire out of Detroit, Michigan. If you have not heard the episode, uh, Super Saiyan Mark Cooper, you should. You should go take a listen to it. It's in our feed. A couple weeks back. Probably about a month ago now. Um, but I interviewed him just to get to know, like, how, um, you know, he got into it. And obviously, he's a huge Dragon Ball fan. He's got a song called Super Saiyan that you can go find on Spotify right now. As a matter of fact, you can find all of his fucking albums. Uh, the most recent of it, which is the AllSpark. Uh, but I personally enjoy Ready Player One. Like this dude reached out to me as a listener to uh, uh, as a listener to Super Dope and was like, "Yo, I really like your show. This is what I do." And we talked for a while, and he sent me his music, and I've become the dude's like biggest fan. Nice, Ridiculous. Nice. So when I needed a new theme song for the show, I was talking to Lewis at first, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think Lewis had the capacity at the moment. I think he's kind of got a lot of shit going on with his own tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I asked Mark if he had anything I could use, and he's like, "Yeah, man, let me send you a Google Drive link." And I heard this tune. It's labeled in the folder that he sent me reruns. I'm like, "All right, man, I really like this tune, reruns." And he's like, uh, "Oh, how weird is it that you fucking picked that one?" He's like, "It's not called reruns anymore. That's an old file name." It's called like anime something or other, and it's featuring this other dude that I work with. And we bust all these fucking anime rhymes. We cut it off the All Spark, but I'm gonna release it soon, I think. And I'm like, what? I got the anime vibes off it. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I got my brother Scott with me here today. Yo 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 yo. So I don't know if you've done any super dope sound. I'm I've sh- done one Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah, that's right. We can actually talk about it now because by the time this oh. releases, so will the Bebop. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you've done a couple, you've done one or two of the Bebop sessions with me. Mm. And hopefully I'll talk your ass into doing uh, 
the second half of Bebop. So if you're hearing this today, uh, if all went according to plan, all right, we got the Promised Neverland episode. We have this episode here where we'll be talking about Akira. Uh, Akira. Hopefully we've got some Dragon Ball related episode. And I don't know, maybe that fourth one, maybe there's not a fourth one. Maybe if there is a fourth one, maybe it's a My Hero Academia thing. I don't fucking know. Who knows? Mm. Uh, I'd like to do a full season discussion or uh, I'd like to do a full discussion on all three seasons as where for the Patreon stuff, we've only gotten to like the first 30 episodes, which is essentially half the season. So if that's the plan, that's the launch plan as of now. Let's see if it happens by the 15th of April tax day. Um, You will also be able to purchase uh, the full series of Death Note Super Dope and the first 13 episodes of Bebop Super Dope over on the Patreon page. Uh, So go check that shit out. Uh, I'm pretty sure for the 15th, it'll still be patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope. We shall see if uh, any of that stuff's going to change. Because, again, man, Dragon Ball's supposed to come back in July. So... um, Hopefully that's the case, and we'll have new Dragon Ball to discuss uh, in July, and uh, we'll do iteration. You know, we'll go back to doing Super Dope in its previous iteration, but in the meantime, I need a fucking breather. So we're the Super Dope Anime Hour. Uh, We're talking Akira today. So I kind of want to try to see in this three-month break, hopefully from Dragon Ball, Mostly. I mean, I still intend to do at least one Dragon Ball-related thing a month because I understand that our audience is Dragon Ball fans, so give them something once a month. So, um, I would like to have some kind of theme week to week. So, like, one week, I would like to do, like, a newer anime. So, this month, we did Promise Neverland. Super dope. Uh, perhaps next month, I'm hopeful to do Mob Psycho. Uh, maybe in the second week of the month, we can do a classic anime movie, much like Akira. Uh, maybe in week three, we do a Dragon Ball-ish thing. Maybe week four, we do, I don't know, fucking really, maybe maybe a terrible anime. We can get bombed once a month for the next three months and just make fun of some really awful anime. That might be fun. Uh, but we're going to talk Akira today only because I feel like it's probably a good entry point for us to you know pivot a little bit into more general anime. Uh, if you've never watched Akira, uh, you've, you're doing yourself a disservice, obviously. Um, it is not the big bang of, uh, anime. Um, I think probably most people would say that's like Astro Boy. Um, uh, I said it to Scott, we were watching it. It's more like the fucking Renaissance, man. It's the rebirth of anime. Um, back in 1988 when it was released. So 31 years ago, we are now living in 2019, the oh. time frame in which Akira is set in Neo Tokyo. I don't got no motorbikes. I don't got no laser guns. None of my friends have any cool psychic abilities to speak of. I don't see creepy old looking little children living in the streets. Mm-mm. And still called Tokyo, as yeah. far as I know, not Neo Tokyo. Uh, but 1988, this was among some of the films that helped animate audiences. Or allow me to rephrase. Uh, this is among um, a number of films in the mid to late 80s. That really allowed production companies to say, you know what? These things aren't just for little kids. We can make these for more mature adult audiences. And uh, when they sort of made that decision to try to appeal to the older audience, you got some more gruesome shit. And there's some pretty brutal metal shit throughout Akira that's just 
when it happens, you just, whoa, what? F- gruesome blood. Yeah, it catches you off guard. <laughs> it, like, kicks you in the gnats. Oh, yeah. My gnats hurt yeah. periodically throughout watching this film. Like, I'm just, oh, nope, they're dead. Oh, my God, that dude got a bullet through the face. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Tetsu teabags, Kenny da. <laughs> Tetsuo teabags, everybody. <laughs> but that shot when you do very clearly see Tetsuo's balls as he's beginning to expand and overrun with his yeah, power. and then Canada gets absorbed into his balls. Oh my god, <laughs> so fucking. So there's some really like visually graphic parts of this and other anime movies of around the same period. Uh, if they didn't rely heavily on the violence and the brutality, maybe they relied a little bit more on the titties and ass mm-hmm. uh, and the and the perversion. You know what I'm saying? So um, Akira was a fucking endeavor that w- took. You know what? I'm not even going to try to fucking talk about it off the top of my head. Here's what I'm going to do to best serve y'all mocks. I'm going to go to Wikipedia where nobody makes shit up. Nope. Nope. If you don't use Wikipedia, you are a fool. <laughs> a fool for knowledge. All right. Akira is a 1988 Japanese animated post-apocalyptic cyberpunk film directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, produced by Ryohei Suzuki and Shunzo Kato, and written by Otomo and Izo Hashimoto based on Otomo's manga of the same name. The film had a production budget of $1.1 billion, which is uh, $9 million in 1988 for an animated feature. To have a $9 million budget is fucking extraordinary, making it the most expensive anime film of its time. Um, this is probably a rough comparison because I don't understand inflation, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. But in 2013... The Japanese government gave uh, Toei Studios uh, approximately like $10 million in funding to make Battle of the Gods. And Battle of the Gods is visually stunning. Obviously, you've got to understand, uh, you know, two, two and a half decades worth of uh, uh, technological advances that can make that anime look uh, more polished for less money. Um, but they gave them $10 million in 2013. So $9 million 30 fucking years ago is a tremendous amount of money especially for an animated feature like oh I, yeah absolutely I, I i i don't know the proper way to gas is probably still a dollar dude you know reagan really fucked up <laughs> like everything in this country back in the day uh but uh yeah i bet you gas was probably very affordable and that was probably cute mm. Especially coming out of fucking Jimmy Carter, but fucking the gas crisis back uh, in the fucking 70s. Um, blah, 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 blah. Set in dystopian 2019, Akira tells the story of Shotaro Kaneda. Shotaro Kaneda. I don't think they ever use his first name in the movie. We watched the dub today, which, by the way, pretty fucking great dub. Mm. I've watched it both in Japanese and in English uh, multiple times, and... I don't think I've ever really appreciated how great the dub is, especially for its time for when it was brought over. Uh, if it was dubbed like this today, I'd be like, all right, cool, great job, faithful adaptation. You did your job. But for 88, 89, whenever it made its way over to the States, fucking tremendous. 
All right. All right. Set in a dystopian 2019, Akira tells the story of Shotaro Kaneda, a leader of a local bike gang whose childhood friend, Tetsuro, Sh- Tetsuo Shiba, acquires incredible telekinetic abilities after a motorcycle accident, eventually threatening an entire military complex amidst chaos and rebellion in the sprawling futuristic metropolis of Neo-Tokyo. While most of the character designs and settings were adapted from the manga, the plot differs considerably and removes much of the last half of the manga. Akira premiered in Japan on July 16, 1988 by Toho and was released the following year in the United States by pioneering animation distributor Streamline Pictures. It garnered an international cult following following its theatrical and VHS releases, eventually earning over 80 fucking million dollars worldwide from oh, home just from home video sales all right so uh box office earnings again nine million dollar budget on this thing japan alone 1.5 billion dollars worldwide box office sales for akira were 49 million dollars off of a nine million dollar budget hell yeah that's dude. like what five five and a half times your investment jesus that's banana sandwich um and then 80 million just by the home video sales on top of that that's a certified success right there oh my jeebus you spend nine million to make a hundred million yeah it is widely considered by critics to be one of the greatest animated and science fiction films of all time as well as a landmark in japanese animation it is also a landmark film in the cyberpunk genre, particularly the Japanese cyberpunk subgenre, as well as adult animation. The film had a significant impact on popular culture worldwide, paving the way for the growth of anime and Japanese popular culture in the Western world, as well as influencing numerous works in animation, comics, film, music, television, and video games. Um, I think that you can pretty much take the idea of most nerds uh, within like the general nerd vicinity. If you yell uh, Tatsuo at them, hopefully they know to yell back Kaneda. <laughs> but on the flip side of that, there's a lot of young anime fans in the world right now. And I don't know if uh, all of them, any of them, many of them, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd be curious to hear how many of the younger anime fans have gone back to watch classics like this and, Hopefully some other classics we'll get to cover over the next few months here. Um, but Akira was one that I wanted to tackle right away. Again, I think it's a good entry point, but like everyone knows it. And if you don't, you should. And you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so the financial investment in this is obviously fucking tremendous. And you can just see it in like the production quality of the film. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think that I've got a little bit uh, of information on the production here as well. Um, fucking this shit is while working on the Akira comic Otomo did not intend to adapt the series outside of the manga however he became very intrigued when the offer to develop his work for the screen was put before him he agreed to an anime film adaptation of the series on the grounds that he retained creative control of the project this insistence was based on his experience working on Harmageddon I don't know what the fuck that is. The Akira Committee was the name given to a partnership of several major Japanese entertainment companies brought together to realize production of an Akira film. The group's assembly was necessitated by the unconventionally high budget of around 1.1 billion, right? Yeah, billion yen 
intended to achieve the desired epic standard equal to Otomo's over 2,000-page manga tale. The committee assisted of... Wow, it's a lot of companies who all forwarded money and promotion towards the film. The animation for the film was provided for by animation producers Tokyo Movie Shinsa, now TMS Entertainment. At the time, most anime were notorious for cutting production corners with limited animation, such as having only the characters' mouths move with basic lip sync while their faces remained static. Akira broke from this trend with detailed scenes, pre-scored dialogue, wherein the dialogue is recorded before the film starts production and the movements of the character's lips are animated to match it. Uh, and that's a first for an anime production, although the voice actors did perform with the aid of animatics, which I assume is like the little red ball-y thing. I don't really know. Uh, and superfluid motion, as realized in the film's more than 160 fucking thousand animation cells. Wow. And like, if you don't notice the way that this movie just, it's just very it flows. It's it's very fluid. It's very bouncy. It's very um. I don't know. Vivid. Uh, well, you'd said it while we were watching it. Um, of all the weird, crazy, grotesque, over the top shit you see in this movie, at times, sometimes the most impressive shots are like when you see like a fucking bandage at one yeah, point. Yeah, Tetsu's just... bandage that had just fallen off his head, just yeah. blowing in the Tetsuo wind. Tetsuo gets a fucking head injury, and like the bandage falls off, and it's just. Blowing in a wind. Yeah. And then um, another scene that stood out right at the beginning is when they have uh, Tetsuo in, like, the test chamber. And the movements that is, like, that the mechanism that is, like, rotating around him while yeah. the bed he's in is... It almost looks like an MRI machine or something. Yeah, yeah. But, like, like some crazy transformer type... Yeah, some scary uh, shit. MRI machine. If I was Tetsuo, I would have shit my bricks. Um, to be fair, I almost shit my bricks every day. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. There's like really interesting themes to me. Uh, obviously, the, the the visual presentation of the movie, as well as the, the soundtrack's fucking dope. Like, I don't really know the best way to kind of classify the soundtrack. Like, there's like some world vibe kind of like rhythmic beat to it like consistently throughout um, at least half the soundtrack and then the other half of the soundtrack relies very heavily on the organ mm -hmm. um but like even that world beat shit like a lot of it comes in like in that first uh bike scene in the beginning like if you listen close they're literally chanting the names of the characters so, yep yep that's all kind of it's like well i get it but like it sounds like I don't know uh, like some I, I mean obviously it's a different language to me I guess but mm -hmm. um I don't know the way that it mashes with like a, a synth kind of vibe to it as well, like that eighties ish kind of Blade Runner fucking. Oh yeah, the do 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 do. Like the eighties uh, vision of what the future would look like in forty years, like whatever that sound encapsulates and what that entails, like that vibe to the fucking cool percussive elements of the soundtrack is super dope. And then the fucking visual part of the production is cool as well. But some of the themes throughout this movie, um, I think the one that they probably beat you over the face with the most is uh, the idea of Tetsuo being this downtrodden, poor fucking picked on kid. Oh, yeah. Throughout his entire life. Which you don't really get the payoff for until the end of the movie. 
you're like, why is this child so angsty? It's true. Yeah. You see a couple of instances, really, of just his interactions with Kaneda and other guys in the gang of like them making comments or kind of putting him down or making them making him feel less than. But like, there's nothing tremendous about it. And yeah, you kind of wonder, like, dude, what's up with this kid's butt? Why is he being like this? <laughs> and then at the end, it's like, oh, by the way, yeah, he moved to a new fucking place. He was picked on. He was beat up. And Kaneda and him fucking Kaneda stepped up and defended him early on in their friendship. And it's been that dynamic ever since. And yep. you finally are able to develop some sympathy in the last 15 fucking minutes. <laughs> For otherwise a character that just like you want to otherwise perceive to just be like a whiny little asshole kid. Oh yeah, I think that's something that which is justifiable for any teenager. (laughs) Yeah, any teenager going through that level of shit at sixteen years old, like you get the pass on if you're having a bad day and you're crying about it, and maybe I mean basically the fucking main theme is like people who wield power need to know how to use it, and if they don't know how to use it responsibly, it will consume them. And it figuratively, figuratively and literally consumes Tetsuo a couple of times throughout the movie. Uh, and obviously in the biggest, uh, most obvious uh, manifestation of that is him developing a, into a big, round, fucking crazy puss ball and like literally maiming his fucking girlfriend. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And his, dude, his balls straight up drop on the fucking cement in that scene. Yep. It's quick. Yeah. It's like a two-second shot maybe, but it is gross. To uh, support um, your thought, there's that scene where Ki- Kiyoko, yeah, Kiyoko is. Um, is that there's that Wolf's girl. Uh, yeah, possessing. Uh, what is her name? K. Oh, oh, oh! Kyoko is one of the what little fucking oh, kids. Oh, oh, yeah! Kyoko is the little kid, with and the, she's possessing K. And K's given like that huge information dump, and like one yeah. thing she says, I'm paraphrasing, but it's uh, like embryos can only consume. Oh no, amoeba can only consume. Y- yeah, right? oh, I think I it was. It, a, I thought it was embryos. I thought it was amoebas. Hold Basically, on. amoebas don't know anything but to consume other things. Oh, so when you give an amoeba okay. that level of power, mm-hmm. yep, um, yep. it will just continue to consume things around it at, you know, the amoeba-like uh, level, um, mm-hmm. but on a on on a higher scale, like on steroids. Okay. On steroids, <laughs> but it's an amoeba. It's all it knows how to do is fucking yep. consume and destroy. Um, Tetsuo, I don't think is supposed to be an amoeba, but I think he's supposed to be like. A damaged person who, you know, I don't know if it's justifiably, but he's got a fucking chip on his shoulder. And when he gets some power, he doesn't know how to control it at first. He gets the handle on it, but eventually it it overtakes him. But what does he do in the meantime? He just runs around and just fucks everybody's day up, runs into two of his old buddies. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, I beat up Canada. And they're like, that's not cool. And they're like, yeah, I know. Steals Canada's bike. Fucking going to Canada to steal a bike. I don't understand. Like, we said it to each other a few times while we were watching it. I think uh, sometimes it's lost on people like that these are 16-year-old kids. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. like, out of the gate, you have the first scene of them on this motorcycle fucking uh, brawl with the clowns in the opening scene. And it's like, all right, cool, motorcycle gangs. <laughs> and then like two scenes later they're in fucking school and i'm yep. like yo these kids go to school during the day <laughs> they're out running the streets all night and fucking doing math during the day and trying to graduate and shit they 16 what 
Yep, yep. So, like, I think if you blink and you miss that scene or any other scene in this movie, by the way, I mean, this movie is densely fucking packed. It's it's a movie that is you, you're going to have to watch probably a few times to be able to really fully grasp everything that's going on because, again, this is over 2,000 pages worth of manga, and it was adapted into a two-hour film. This movie came out in 88. Um, the Akira manga went from 82 to 90. So the source material in this case, the, the manga, um, when the movie was coming out, they needed to wrap it up at the end, and they didn't have any manga to go off of. Ultimately, the movie is its own entity, and the manga is its own entity. The beginning of the manga influenced the movie. The end of the movie influenced the end of the manga two okay. years after it comes out. Yep. So that aspect of it is very, very interesting to me. I, I just, you don't typically see, um, you know, two versions of the fucking, because I, I don't think you can really consider either of them the source material. I guess the manga would probably be considered the source material because it's the full story. It's yeah, not like a yeah. two-hour amalgamated fucking version of all of these plot points. There's so many plot points in this movie, and that's it's, it's kind of a frustrating watch for a first-timer. Like, you need to... Yeah, it seems in. like the manga is like a supplement for the movie. Like you can enjoy the movie movie a lot more if you have read the manga because you see these characters that are in the movie for five seconds. We were talking about this too. Yeah. Um, and you get the feeling that they're a very important character, but you there's no, no con- emotional connection to them. Yeah. yeah, you've got no context as to why they should be important. Absolutely. You, you understand that they are important, but you're not really sure why. Yep, yep. Like the third dude, and I'll I'll call him the third dude because I'm not sure of his fucking name. Kay's Con- like secret agent? Not friend? even him. Okay. It's, it's Kaneda, Tetsuo, and then a third guy in their gang. Oh, th- no, there's a fourth guy too. <laughs> So the the third guy shows up a couple of times yeah, and he like saves, you know, pulls some fucking shit out. And then he realizes Kanye is like alive at the end. He's like, oh, emotional moment, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Because like, is this number three guy in the gang? Okay. (laughs) What's his name again? Why should I? Okay. You guys are happy that you're seeing each other. Okay. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'd read the manga, maybe you're right. I would uh, appreciate that moment more. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. But like K, literally a girl that Kanye picks out of the fucking crowd at like, some big, you know, Akira, uh, Akira fucking cult rally. He like grabs her out of the fucking randomly. And then it turns out she's like secret agent girl. Yep. And she's got this fucking partnership with this dude and his agency or whatever. And then she's 16 too? I don't know. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. I think she's like a full grown woman whooping some ass. I guess so. And Connie to just fucking pick the right one. Yep. Yep. So now that we're talking about Kay, something that bothers me about Kay and Kaneda. Um, at first, they got some differentiating factors. Kaneda has uh, his red jacket on and uh, his haircut. Uh, Kay has like an orange-ish jacket on, like a, maybe a little bit lighter than Kaneda's jacket. And she's got a hat on. But like once that hat comes off her, her and Kaneda look pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a scene with them in the tunnels, like in the sewers or whatever. And it's them and like the whole team, her secret fucking agent team or whatever. And they're all wearing uniforms, like brown fucking jumpsuits or whatever. And they both look the same. It gets really confusing. 
And then there's a scene toward the end where Kaneda doesn't have his jacket on. He's fucking Tetsuo's day up. And uh, she shows up all of a sudden. She's got Kaneda's jacket on. And I'm like, motherfucker, the jacket was like the one thing helping me differentiate. Now you're going to put the jacket on? Are you trying to make me get a crush on Kaneda? Because I, I think it's working. But at the same time, I'm also growing to hate this woman, Kay. Like, is this movie turning me gay? <laughs> Think it, Not that there's anything wrong with that. I know, but I just think it's weird that it managed to do it so effectively. Christ. <laughs> fucking love me some Kaneda. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, the idea of uh, basically people who are unfit to wield the power and ultimately how that power consumes them um, is probably the most apparent fucking theme in this whole deal. But mm-hmm. um, I get... Have you watched any of the old Godzilla flicks with us when me and Brandon and Shannon were doing that? No, but I've seen a a couple of them. I've seen the first one. The first one from 54, and, you know, in retrospect, it's kind of obvious, but the way Brandon explained it on that podcast that someday we'll probably see the light of day, maybe, I don't know. Um, Dude, too bad, man. That Godzilla podcast had the fucking, the best intro song, dude. (laughs) Gojira! Dun, 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 dun. We're gonna call it Pojira, Pojira, like Podjira, you know, oh. Podjira, Podjira, yeah. super dope. Yeah, don't steal it, you fucking assholes. Um. Anyway, I think the more obvious thing as I watched the first Godzilla movie from '54, um, is obviously like the atomic proliferation of fucking Japan, uh, post World War II and the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, and how Godzilla is very much a manifestation of that. Um, I kind of see hints of that definitely leak into not only like the physical manifestation of all the weird, sh- weird, gross shit that happens at Tetsuo at the end when he pusses the fuck up into that big old oh, yeah. flesh orb with big old meaty nuts hanging around. But like, but then you have that huge light occurrence that happens that that absorbs everything in it and decimates all yeah at the end yeah where did they go it's like they left yeah what where'd they they left the power (laughs) so they i feel like the power of akira is you know more or less meant to be symbolic of uh nuclear power and i think the struggle that you see um in one of the you know more not minor but like less prominent storylines is the idea that not only does Akira have the power to, you know, rival, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty plainly saying nuclear power and it can has the ability to, you know, rule nations and fucking end war. I don't know. Whatever. The power of Akira is fucking second to none, basically. Um, and it's so much to the point that there's like a death cult around it and people believe that Tetsuo is the fucking second coming of Christ. And like the third act of this movie when he's got his fucking red robe on and he's just like making shit happen. And oh yeah. People yeah. like show up on a fucking bridge rally, Selma style, and then Tetsuo's like, fuck this rally, no, 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 and wrecks the bridge. Like <laughs> shit is fucking wild. But like it's the fear of what that power could be. And I think you mainly see it through like that big broad chin dude who like works with the you know, old little people with the Akira powers. Mm-hmm. Um and him trying to you know, kind of wrestle with the idea that like we need to be able to control it, but as a good possibility, this power is so strong that you know, like it does to Tetsuo, it could control us and shape who we are. As I'm, I'm assuming for that dude to be in a military sense, but 
in a larger sense for Japan as a nation. Like this power can dictate who we are and what we do on a fucking uh, foreign national policy level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, on a national on a foreign policy level. I don't know. Whatever I'm trying to say is is this power is apparent. It manifests itself and the badness of it. It manifests itself through Tetsuo, but like the greater threat looms of like the political and larger world implications through this military dude just trying to fucking control these little kids who are like all telepathic and old looking and shit. So I don't know. I just fucking said so much. My brain hurts. Well, so to go back to Tetsu decimating the Akira. You gotta add the O to Tetsuo. I gotta tell you. Oh, Tetsuo. Tetsuo! Tetsuro. Tetsuro! <laughs> wow, my voice just did that. This is my third podcast today. So, oh, yeah, again, that is, squeak. My voice is friend. Yeah. I got like that that smoker fucking low right now. <laughs> but like when I try to do something, my voice sounds awful. <laughs> Word. But yeah, Tetsuo did what now? Oh, oh, when he um when he destroys the bridge with the military and the Akira cult. Um it doesn't even seem like he's aware of the cult at all. He's a he's reacting to the military shooting at him, and the Akira cult is just an innocent bystander. Yeah, they're just there and, to see the show. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. See their messiah yeah. in action, right? Uh, and I like that you have this cult that mirrors Christianity, and they're just the crazy people. <laughs> yeah, man, they're fucking the zealots, bro. The zealots. Uh, singing the fucking word of Jesus, I mean Akira. Akira. And, you know, this kid showing up with some crazy telepathic powers and a fucking carpet as a red cape. Uh, you know, obviously he's the second coming of, of Christ. Up until the real Akira just decides to manifest the fucking body of a young Asian boy and say, no, 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 no mas. And fucking <laughs> smacks all those little kids in the fucking face and they all go home to bathe. The real power of Akira came home to roost, y'all. That's how Akira ends. Pretty much. Everybody goes to bed. Yeah, everybody just goes the fuck to bed in crazy old person, baby child, telepathic power world. Yep, it was past their bedtime. Though, I gotta say, man, I think those kids kind of give you some, uh, they give the director and the writers easy window into, an easy window into being able to show us some more bizarre shit within this film. So, like, you see some really trippy shit, and I think some of it's to blame on those fucking kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, one of my trippiest thing in this movie, and it, for whatever reason, like, really hit me today, and I was like, what? Oh, my God, yeah. I remember the last time we watched this. Me and you watched this with Feds mm-hmm. probably about a year ago. Um, and this scene where, like, Tetsuo finally, you know, interacts with these three kids for the first time, and there's, like, a big, giant, scary teddy bear, like all put together from like parts and pieces of other things. And he's like drowned in a fucking pool of milk. And there's like a bunny and shit running around. It's scary. I'm like, what? And the reason you know it's milk, it's because Tetsuro says, this is milk. (laughs) (laughs) In case there was any question about this being another white, creamy substance. This is definitely Milk. milk. I don't know if it's bunny milk. I don't know if it's bear milk. It might have been car milk. There was that car, too. There was that toy car that became gigantic and kind of reminded me of the taxi from um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, good call, dude. I <laughs> That scene is it's trippy to me just because it's like the, the imaginations of these poor fucking kids who have probably lived for forever but are made to be kept alive mm-hmm. 
and probably still have like that mental capacity of, you know, probably a very mature child, but a child nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So the thing that they go to fucking imitate, excuse me. So the thing that they go to, to try to intimidate Tetsuo is a scary bear and a big, scary bunny. And it's a, adorable. And a, <laughs> and a pool of milk you're going to drown in. Like it's, it's adorable in a gross kind of scary way. Uh, you got any fucking trip that stands out to you in this uh, particular moment, this particular film? Uh, I mean, trippy wise, it would, it would just have to be um, the big moment where Tetsuro t- turns into that writhing math mass of organs and yeah. uh, ball sack and just skin. Yeah, and just ugh. so. It's gross. Yeah. There's like an arm that comes out with teeth and almost eats the main dude. You like you see his hands slowly starting to grow and like his fingers start to fucking get all fat and long and big and then his fingers start to fucking produce their own individual fingers. It's so fucked. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And then, and then he... his balls drop right on Condita's head. Right on Condita's head. He's like, uh... hey, D-bag. <laughs> uh... Lipton's on rocks. And then it seems like he's consuming technology at the same time. I think he's just consuming the power, man. Although he's consuming, like, that's the other part that they try to touch on in, like, the beginning of the third act, or I guess the middle of the third act, because, I don't know. Uh, when he is at the stadium, and he's got his fucking girlfriend who hasn't been around since the first 20 minutes of the film after her shirt gets fucking ripped off, uh, and he's all like, Yo, I need some Akita fucking medicine, man. Get me some medicine, man. Oh, yep, yep. I need my smack. I need it now. I need it now. <laughs> like the drug addiction part of it. And just, I, I don't know, like, is he overcome with the addiction? Like, he can't feed the addiction and the power just wilds out on its own because it needs the Akita shit. And or, like, I'm not sure how that's explained or how that's meant to be taken in. I Maybe they leave it kind of ambiguous for us to be able to interpret. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but is the Akira, like the, the lack of that, is that like a fucking heroin junkie getting all dope sick, but then like has the chance to maybe score a bag and they have to go through like all of these crazy, um, I don't want to make it sexual cause that's gross and just too easy, but maybe they have to go through like, maybe they have to walk like fucking 10 miles to pick up a bag on foot and they decide that they're going to run that 10 miles and fucking, you know, um, an hour. <laughs> you know something like that like they go through some crazy physical and like that manifestation of Tetsuo getting all big and baggy and veiny and gross is that like the power's manifestation or just needing some smack and needing it now need to pump my veins full of that sweet sweet Akira that Akira suppression pill or whatever it was that Akira shit um so yeah that's fucking brutal I I think I don't know. There's a few brutal parts that kind of make me, um, there's one that makes me laugh because it's so fucking metal and we'll get to more metal in a minute, but I guess brutal is probably the better adjective. All right. Yeah. Uh, Tetsuo like first comes out of the hospital room and, uh, there's like four hospital workers there, like caretakers. And they're like, all right, man, we're going to get you over to blah, blah, blah. And he just looks at them all and he just explodes all of them. Yep. All over the fucking hallway. They're, blood and organs and bre- it's just so brutal so fast so out of nowhere yeah you don't see it coming and when it comes it's like <gasps> yo that's the road the route that's the route this fucking evil 16 year old douche is taking huh yeah you're seeing it from down the hallway and you just see an explosion of blood 
and then it and then it zooms in and there's arms and legs hanging from the ceiling it's, it's fucking awesomely brutal oh yeah absolutely uh and then that bridge scene one of the military members shoots one of the laser guns oh yeah and just, just slices his arm yeah he slices yeah. uh a fucking protesters like right through his fucking chest and yeah. you're like whoa Civilian casualties. Yeah. The one that stood out for me is um, when Kay's being pr- uh, pursued by that police officer, and Canada um, uh, uh, distracts him, and then Kay just blasts him right in the face yeah, with a gun. Dude, she <laughs> fucking put a bullet through that dude's face. Yeah, no remorse, no questions asked. And Canada doesn't even know what the fuck she's really up to. He just thinks that she's just some chick that he picked up. Oh, and he he continues to hit on her afterwards. He's like, no, that's cool. Let's just go to the police. Turn yourself in. It's, you, you murdered somebody. It's no big t- I mean, we, we'll probably be self-defense. I'll wait for you. <laughs> we'll go on dates when you're out of jail. I love you. I love you so much. She's like, Gilson, you little fucking nerd. You cut this out. I'm a you grown-ass are. woman. This is not the first person I murdered, and it is most certainly not the last that I will murder probably today. I've murdered children. She doesn't say that. No, but I bet you she may have uh, yeah. murdered a couple kids in her past. And you know what? Even if she hasn't, she strikes me as a type who probably would. Um, then the fucking the satellite shooting down that laser and shooting off Tetsuo's arm, um, that in and of itself is pretty fucking brutal toward the end. Yeah, um, yeah, that's like brutal. Just hanging, bloody fucking nub hanging. Even space hated Tetsuo. That really takes... Some talent to piss off people in space for real, dude. Where they're like, everything that you do in space is like so detailed and so intricate. You have to do so much science to do the stupidest, smallest thing in space. That day in space, those motherfuckers hated Tetsuo so much that they just spent all day trying to track his ass down to shoot him with some fucking laser beams from a satellite in space. Yeah. Do you know how much work that probably took? A ton. Yeah. You know what fueled that work? Genuine fucking hate and rage. I love it. That's what I fucking thrive off of. Like, Houston's like, uh, we noticed you set the coordinates for over Japan, and and the people in the satellite are just like, yo, fuck this teenage kid. Yo, this teenager is going to get a piece of our brain and our laser beams. Houston, we have a problem. This kid sucks. So I said it to you. Nah, what's the word? Unironically, while we were watching this, and then I laughed at myself. Um, after he loses his arm and he gets the metal arm, uh, just made out of a bunch of shit. Um, that is one of the most fucking metal things ever. Oh, it just yeah. And I realize you guys probably think I'm making a joke because it's made out of metal, but. That's not what I'm going for. Um, it's it's fucking metal. So um, 15th now, I'm assuming if you're hearing this, it's the 15th. Um, you mean that means that you can go purchase the Cowboy Bebop on Patreon. And one episode of the Cowboy Bebop, I believe it's uh, Bebop Super Dope. Bebop Super Dope. Uh, session 7, we do an episode called Heavy Metal Queen. And the conversation was between me, Mike Martinelli, and Alicia. Um, the question pops up. It's like, yo, what the fuck is metal? 
And at first we kind of talk about it on just like the musical surface because there's a lot of metal throughout the episode. But then we talk about just like the idea of like, yo, if you describe something as metal, like use the word metal as an adjective to be like, yo, it's fucking metal. What does it mean to be metal? And in this moment, reactively, instinctively, I just said, when Tetsuo makes this metal arm after he gets his fucking shit shot off by a laser cannon, he's like, I got a metal arm now. Let's fucking go. <laughs> that is so fucking metal. So I think maybe understanding that my reaction was to call it metal helped me understand why I think it's metal or maybe what I define as metal. And tell me if you agree. Um, despite the circumstances of um, seemingly the entire world's military coming down on this one 16-year-old kid who caught superpowers like 12 hours ago, um, given that he just had a fucking arm shot off and he's pretty much gonna die like no questions asked and you know ultimately who the fuck knows what really ultimately happens to these kids at the end of it they fucking flash a light away they could come back one day they probably never will don't fucking remake this movie leonardo dicaprio i'll get to you in a fucking minute leonardo dicaprio is akira fuck i forgot what my fucking point was oh um let's backtrack uh leonardo dicaprio um, oh, ooh, ooh, uh, how metal! Oh, yeah. So that that's that whole scenario is quite metal. It's yes, metal I agree. Fuck. A dude gets the entire world's military against him, gets his fucking arm shot off, and he's like, "I'm probably gonna die." And uh, yeah, I I'm gonna fight anyway. And he does what he fucking can in the moment to be able to combat the fucking forces that you know are probably on the right side of the law. You know, considering they're like blowing up cities and killing people and shit. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, regardless, uh, it's metal as fuck that in that moment, despite all the odds, he still continues to fight. And I realize that Tetsuo is the fucking villain here. And it's probably weird to give the villain praise in that way. But I think unequivocally, that's one of the most metal fucking moments of Akira. All fucking hope is lost. And you're like, fuck it. Let's fight it out anyway. That's fucking metal. Yeah. If yeah. you're going to die, to quote the great Iron Maiden, if you're going to die, die with your boots on. If you're going to try, stick around. You're going to cry, just move along. If you're going to die, you're going to die. Whew. Fucking poetry. Poetry. 13, the beast is rising. The Frenchman did surmise <laughs> through earthquakes and starvations. The warlord will arise. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm done. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this is a, a really fucking fun movie for us to be able to start off with. Um, uh, if you want more explanation or more thoughts or more discussion on what it means to be fucking metal, then go check out Bebop Super Dope, specifically Session 7, Heavy Metal Queen, uh, over at patreon.com slash Dragon Ball Super Dope. Super Dope. I think as a way for you to kind of get acquainted with what those series will be like uh session uh zero and vol session zero for bebop super dope and volume zero for death note super dope uh those will be free but you'll have to just go listen to them on the patreon page uh take a listen to those and if you like them uh consider purchasing the series i would really appreciate it we worked hard over the last three months and uh love and appreciate your support 
Um, so yeah, Akira for this month, man. Uh, you got anything else you want to fucking squeak in there before we wrap this shit up? Mm, uh, mm, you put me on the spot. No, I didn't mean to, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, um, no, no, I should have been prepared. No, that's word. I mean, yeah. I think I think it's important for you know we do have some younger listeners to the show. I've talked to listeners who are like as young as 14 or 15 who listen to our show, and then I'm like, oh god, maybe I'm a bad influence on you. <laughs> um, I hope that I'm not, but like, don't fucking hold me up as a role model so one thing i did want to talk about word, word. is uh k as a strong female protagonist but at no is point she though I, d- I never felt like she was really the damsel and uh she gets all those dope ass superpowers at the end yeah the kids basically fucking possess her pretty much at will to be able to like yeah get whoever on that side of uh, the equation to go do what the kids need them to do and then, like, she fucking walks on water like she's Jesus. Yep, yep. Teleports the fuck up out of Lots of Jesus. Uh, so much Jesus in this movie. Yeah, lots of Jesus. I honestly feel like I just went to church. <laughs> like, granted, anime fucking otaku fucking nerd weeb church, whatever. But, like, fucking <laughs> church nonetheless. <laughs> I feel like I need to go join a fucking Akira death cult. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, yep. Do you understand what I'm saying? The blood of Christ is just still at toi. Yeah, the blood of Troy... The blood of Christ compels you. Is that what? no? The power of the power Christ. of Christ. No, but it's his blood now. Yeah, the blood yeah. of that's kind of metal. I think yeah, that's the pretty blo- metal. <laughs> that's the cult I'm fucking starting. Uh, we we just pretty much worship the blood of Christ and how it's fucking metal. <laughs> metal as fuck. Um. All right. Yeah. Uh. Super dope anime hour. Um. Anything else? Make sure you rate, subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You guys know the places. It's pretty much the same. We'll see what we do in terms of a rebrand for... Uh, we'll probably just keep shit as DB Super Dope for now and see how things go in July with the new series. Uh, hopefully we'll have an announcement on the newest uh, series for Dragon Ball Super, Super Part 2, or Part 2, as uh, I've been calling it. Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll have an announcement for the new series by the end of April what many are reporting uh let's hope it's true because i want that series to come back so badly and if the anime shit that we're gonna start to do over the next three months if we're enjoying it and we're having fun we might go to a twice a week podcast and uh keep this these general anime things that we're doing week to week but also uh continue to do the new episodes of dragon ball super because obviously dragon ball is my only love in life so is what it is um all right scott thanks for fucking joining me today it was a pleasure thanks for having me super dope it's gonna let the theme song roll on out make sure you go check out my buddy mark cooper on spotify the all spark available now then this tune was cut off the final mix but it's okay because it's now a theme song for russ oh what (laughs) gonna stop rapping i'm annoying <laughs> off she go check out mark on spotify that'd be cool uh, i'm gonna go drink a beer and feel bad for myself oh, my free style skills have not progressed past that of a small child who recently went through a, a binge session of dr seuss reading <laughs> materials hey you used to real words though so Did there's I? that yeah, buckle kids and Dr. Seuss with the made-up words because those things are atrocious and you know they're not real heard. No, too mm. many syllables mm. in that shit. We'll rework it. I'll coach you. It'll be fine.
Get me a rhyming dictionary. <laughs> That'd be dope. <laughs> Super dope. Super dope.